What kind of mindset does it take to get to the Olympics? This week on the Burn Podcast, we are going behind the scenes with two of our past guests, Dan O'Brien and Shantae Lowe, to revisit what they had to go through to make it to the largest stage on earth. Stay connected to your burn. Continue to fight. Here comes the special episode of the burn. Being an athlete is is very obsessive. It's very singular. And when people ask me, well, how did you do it? How were you be- how were you the best in the world for 10 years? At that time in my life, it was the most important thing. Training, being the best in the world, it was the most important thing. More important than I can honestly say. I didn't have serious personal relationship at the time. I wasn't married or, uh, you know, I didn't spend a lot of time with my family. I was obsessed about being the best in the world. And I struggled moving on because of that, all right? And what, I, and what you're hearing here over the last couple of days is there has to be balance. There has to be greater purpose. So when I was done, I was like, gosh, what do I do now? You know, I had moved to Scottsdale, Arizona. I played golf and drank beer, you know? That lasted 10 years, you know? And finally, my financial manager and my wife kind of said, hey, you know, you can't do this forever. And so I had to, again, just kind of reset goals, say, hey, what is the thing that, that makes me happy? But if I had created, I think, more balance in my life, I might have had a little bit more personal enjoyment of my successes because when I won I didn't I wasn't I didn't feel victorious I felt relief you know and that was that was kind of a a, a strange thing you know people say oh weren't you happy it's like of course I was happy but I was relieved more than I was ecstatic so uh, I, I think creating balance gives you an opportunity to take another step simplify it all right good friend of mine I don't know if you know him Jim Fannin he's known as his own coach he's out of Chicago he works with CEOs and he coaches the coaches. All right, he go he talks to the you know the the head coaches of, of Major League Baseball teams and stuff. Early on um, in his career, he started working with A Rod. All right, A Rod just gets moved up to the C- Seattle Mariners. Jim Fannin's in a hotel room with A Rod. They're working together and and you know Jim helps you find the zone and, and compete in that zone. And he says to A Rod, he says, "Tell me what you do, man." And so he's going through it. Man, I played third base and I hit for power and I you know I I'm a TV personality and all this stuff. And I'm a role model. He said, no, man, tell me what it is you do. And in the next 20 minutes, they scale it down. And what they came out, what they came to find is that A-Rod puts the biggest part of the bat on the biggest part of the ball. That's it. That's his one job in life. And so to simplify it, it sometimes can make it just a little bit easier. What is this is at its simplest form? And, you know, for me, it was, you know, I run. I run from point A to point B, and that's what I loved about track and field, the purity of it. We start here, we finish here, first guy there wins. You know, so, you know, think about, think about that. Maybe, maybe, that, maybe, that makes your, maybe that makes your mission statement or your purpose just a little bit simpler to, to start. Well, I lived in the moment, okay? If I thought about four years, it seemed too far away. But luckily, in 1993, I had a world championship. In 1994, I had... You know, I had a U.S. championship and a Goodwill Games. In 1995, I had another world championship to, to go for. Had there not been anything between 92 and 96, it would have been a real struggle. But I always put all of my efforts into the upcoming. And, you know, I train a lot of people. I help people lose weight. And it's very difficult to, you know, it's very difficult to have that big goal and that long-term goal. So we try to set, you know, we try to, we try to set up for an event. You know what, we're going to run a 10K in four months. We're going to... 
um, you know, we're gonna do this seven mile hike or whatever, being be prepared. So I just took it, I just took it steps. But I, I'm, I'm somebody who just really lives in the moment and is present each and every day. That's how I was able to just grind out those, grind out those years, basically. But uh, I just, I reset the goals. I couldn't look at 96 the whole time. It wore me out, just like the decathlon. 10 events, looking at the end, it's like, oh man, you know, it's, I don't know if I'm gonna get to the end. So it's just like, what's in front of me right now, and I'm gonna attack that next step. The hardest thing I ever did was break the world record, all right? And it was scary because I was trying to do something that nobody else had done before. And I was really scared. Uh, and we had a, we got this guy in the United States named Frank Zarnowski. He's a decathlon historian. And I can remember being in a locker room in Toulouse, France, getting ready for the last event. And I said to Frank, I said, is it always this hard? And he was just like, look, I've seen 20 world records. And yes, every world record that I've seen in the decathlon has just been such a struggle for whether it's Bruce Jenner or Daley Thompson or Jurgen Hinkson, the guys who have broken those world records. And I said, well, how did they manage it? And, you know, he didn't have an answer. He said, everybody's a little bit different. But uh, I was more afraid of not breaking the record than I was of breaking the record. All right? And that's what drove me. I, I, love, I love scenes in movie, uh, movies. A Days of Thunder, Tom Cruise, you know, he says, Claire, I'm more afraid of being nothing than I am of being hurt. Right? And so it's, it's a lot of the times the failure of what we won't achieve is what pushes us past that fear of what we can achieve. And I'll tell you what, there are individuals in life who are fighters. And for me, I've been so blessed to meet individuals like Shante Lowe who are fighters and provide this amazing example. And, you know, so many individuals, you know, when you think of Shante's resume, the things she's done athletically, competing in four Olympics, a bronze medalist in 2008, a gold medalist in the world. This is one of the most unbelievable athletes in the world, a high jumper. And, and I'm going to tell you, even every time I see the high jump, I still think to myself, how does a person even do that? <laughs> you know? So we, we have to talk about that a little bit. But you see that athletic resume, but then you realize this energy and passion for life, this passion to be a great wife, this passion to be a great mother, this passion to fight. And breast cancer is something that tried to pick a fight with you. And Shante Lowe said, no, 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 no. I don't think you understand. I am going to fight back. And when I had the opportunity to share the stage with you down in Orlando and to hear you speak and to hear your passion and to see that vibrant smile and to hear you tell individuals like, this won't hold me back. I'm going to go compete in a fifth Olympics, right? Four wasn't enough. I'm going to do five. Breast cancer, I don't care about you. I don't care if you delay the Olympics. I'm coming back stronger than I ever have. And I just couldn't be any more excited for our listeners to have this opportunity to spend time with you. And I know there's some really amazing things that are now happening. Olay has backed you. Walgreens has backed you. It's like everybody wants to hear that Shante Lowe story. So, Shante, you inspire me. And uh, welcome to The Burn. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me, Ben. Like you said, I do admire you and what you do for athletes and professionals all over the nation, all over the world. And um, I'm just honored to be here. Thank you for having me.
Oh, you are you are so welcome. And uh, like I said, see, I told you I, I knew you were going to say that. So. <laughs> but I, I'll tell you what, I, I think of that phone conversation that we had talking about your mindset for the upcoming, you know, Olympics. And I hung up the phone. I didn't get a chance to tell you this. It was one of those things like, uh, Shante doesn't need me. I think she was just, Shante's, but Shante's just my friend. She doesn't need me. This is one of the strongest women you can meet. And so here's, here's what I'd love to, to know from you, right? People want to hear about the Olympics. But I'd rather start with, what did you think when you got the news? Like, what went through your mind? You talk about that burn. We're like, now we've really got to fight. Like, it's one thing. I'm going to compete against you. I will take your medal. It's, it's another thing when you're in a fight for your life. So how important was that burn and that motivation? What went through your mind when you found out that you had breast cancer? Yeah, so like, you know, I felt like I've always been a very strong woman. My mother raised me to be a strong woman, independent, able to conquer anything. My motto was that pain was just weakness leaving the body and that excuses are just patches that you sew on the garment of failure. That's how I live every day of my life. <laughs> and like, when I went to that doctor and they told me that I had breast cancer, it's the first time I felt like I was out of control. I couldn't weight lift this thing away. I couldn't run it away. It was something that was there. And I felt like I had to put my life in the hands of those doctors <laughs> in order to save my life. But then the more that I began to educate myself, I realized that it's a, it is a battle. It's a different type of fight where I'm having to find out who are the best oncologists, who's going to be on my team, who, are, who is the best nutritionist, what can I do every single day to make sure I put myself in the best position possible to not only be here for my kids, but to be here for my family and make sure that other women don't have to go through this. So it sounds like, which is really fascinating, if you think about competing to get ready for the Olympics, which is extraordinary. I mean, it's such a dream for so many people, and it's such a difficult thing to conquer and do and then to go and win medals. But it was almost like you said, I'm going to treat this, this. I'm going for a different medal, but this is a medal of my life, and I have to train. I have to figure out how to do it daily. So you literally took that daily mindset, and you just kept trying to win every day. That is exactly what I did. So when I decided that I wanted to go to the Olympics, I tried to pick the best college, the college that had the coach that coached my event. Like I really was very strategic. This was even in high school. And I noticed that doing that bred a whole bunch of success in my life. So then when it came to cancer, it's the only way I knew how to fight. It's like, okay, what are the statistical parameters that I could put myself in that 95 to 99% <laughs> success rate and I took it just like and not even just an Olympic gold this had to be a world record because I only got one shot to get it right <laughs> <laughs> now 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 help me understand this what do because I think these are the things that people don't think about right so you are so strong and and now you know you battled through this what are doctors saying, like, when you say, hey, I want to go, like, compete in the Olympics again? It's not like, hey, I'm going to go play in this basketball league with my friends, you know, like, at the, at the rec center. It's like, no, 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 I'm going to go and get this body ready to compete again. Yeah. What did the doctors say? Did the doctors try to tell you, you know, you need to be careful? 
And then what was your approach for really digging down deep, finding the burn to get back on track for training? Yeah, like, like I think when I first got the diagnosis it, it, diagnosis, it just knocked me off my feet. And so I wasn't myself. And I think I was able to relate more to how people generally take um, bad news. I was just like, all right, whatever, whatever has to be done. You know, you guys just do it. And it really came down to the breast implants. And when I was, you know, they, I decided to get a double mastectomy because I had the breast cancer. And like I said, I, they, I could have easily just had the lump taken out and that's it. But I was like, no, we're going for a world record. Take everything. <laughs> and, so, and so they did that. And I was at the breast surgeon, the reconstruction surgeon would, would come back and there was a decision to make. They could either put the breast implants over the muscle or underneath the muscle. If they put it underneath the muscle, it has a better aesthetic look, but it would destroy my pectoral muscles. They would have to cut into them and I wouldn't be able to compete. And it was actually the reconstruction surgeon that was like, your story. He's like, I see so many women young that come in here and they have breast cancer and you have the platform and you have the voice to be able to make a difference in their lives. I will put the breast implants over the muscle so that you can go and tell this story and compete at the next level. So I was like, no, no, it's fine. He was like, if you don't like it, I'll redo it for free. He was like, but you just, and, I, and at that point, I was like, can I do it? And it became a mission that wasn't about myself. It was like, I can do this for women. And, and, I, and I had a whole nother life. Like my wind came back into my lungs and I, was, I went for it because of what he said. You know, it, it's so fascinating hearing you share that story from that perspective, because that's really how hearing you speak, that's what I felt. It was interesting. It was like, when Shante's talking about winning these medals and getting back to a fifth Olympics and, and doing that after cancer and all these things, which is so extraordinary. I mean, so many people would have said, I've had a great career. I've won my medals. I've done these amazing things. But I really finished saying, this, this isn't just for her kids. This isn't just for her husband. Like, she's on a mission to show people, don't let anything stop you. So how, how important, so I'm reading it correctly, I can tell from, uh, from your head that big smile. So how important is it to you to not just stand on a stage for applause from an audience now, but to really help people understand, like, whatever you want to do in your life, you can do it. Because I know, and feel free to touch on it, there's adversity and challenge you face just on becoming a medalist, getting to the Olympics, right? So you're a fighter. So speak to those individuals, because I know how important it is to you, that may have those doubts and fears or uncertainty right now, especially with what we're going through. Yes, I experienced fear. Um, there's a depression that tries to creep in and get you to quit. There is a million reasons why I should not have trained. Chemotherapy was hard. I was nauseous losing weight, gaining weight, um, exhausted, weak. And I realized that it's not about the end. It's not about getting to the end right now, but it's about what steps can I take today to make sure that I can get to that point. And I think that when it comes to people and their goals, you know, definitely with COVID-19, there's a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of um, stipulations on what you can and cannot do. And if you focus on what you can't do, you're not gonna do anything. Regardless, the time is gonna pass. 
either, you know, one way or another, this thing is going to eventually come to an end. And what we do with this time right now is going to determine our outcome or what, what our lives are going to look like in the future. And so for me, I feel like this is a cocoon moment where I'm taking advantage of this time here at the house. I'm not focusing on what I cannot do, but I'm looking and saying, why not me? What can I do now? And I feel like by doing that, there's a lot of people that are watching me and how I'm handling this real adversity that's so relatable that I feel like if they see me succeed in doing it, they'll know, okay, I can do it too. I'm not going to give up. COVID-19 looks rough, but it's not going to stop me. What's your favorite moment? So what's your favorite, and, and I know there have been four, but what's your favorite Olympic moment? I think I have two. I have one that has nothing to do with me. And I have a second one that, you know, you touched on it a little bit more about the, how I got my medal. Um, the first one was last Olympics in 2016. I was rooming with a girl named Gabby and she was so excited about competing. She's like, like you said, she's one of those athletes where, you know, we didn't know if she would get on TV or not, but she was ready. And she went and competed. And while, when she competed, she does the distance race, she tripped. And not, uh, another girl actually tripped her. So the other girl fell down. She fell down. She, it was at the Olympic Games. She ran back, went and picked the other girl up. And they finished the race together. And after they finished, she had actually torn everything in her knee. And she finished oh. that race. And I was just like, that is what the Olympics is about because a lot of people are like, oh, I have to get the gold. If you didn't get the gold, you know, whatever. But she embodied the spirit of other people above self. And it was the most beautiful moment that I had ever seen in the Olympics. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's incredible. And then your personal one. Oh, you right. Said. So <laughs> I was that person. Like every time I would go to the Olympics, I would go, I would be like, like slated as being the number one, well, not every time, the last two times for sure, I was slated as being the winner. Like, the, oh, she's going to win the event. They said it in Sports Illustrated. It was like a done deal. And somewhere, I could have definitely benefited from having you there because um, something happened between leaving my house here and getting to the competition. I just would always fall just a little bit short. And um, in 2008 was the year I had a one-year-old nursing daughter. My husband and I had a nursing daughter. I had just graduated college. So I was like really kicking my butt trying to finish school. I made the Olympic team and I ended up finishing sixth place. And, you know, doing it with integrity has always been my thing. I, no matter what, I'm not going to cheat to try to win a competition. And so I competed and I finished sixth. It is what it is. In 2016, eight years later, they found out that three women that had placed in front of me had actually tested positive for um, banned substances and they, their um, marks were erased from the history books, which moved me up from sixth place to third. And I ended up getting my bronze medal eight, nine, eight to nine years <laughs> later. And it was awesome. It was a beautiful moment. Yeah, it, it's, it's just so incredible. And, you know, the amazing thing about life is that when you do things the right way with integrity, you're always rewarded. Yes. And I believe when you do the right thing, there's always this great strength. And I know both of us are very, very faithful individuals. And 
I know how much that, that faith is important to you for that burn that lies inside of you. And I just want to say thank you for your example. Thank you for your inspiration. Thank you for that smile. Because whether you realize it or not, you know, that type of energy is what gives people hope. And to, it, it makes me emotional because I think about my mom and the way that she smiled and some of her students that remembered her smile. And, you know, your children are so blessed that, that you have fought through and you've showed them this example and you can stand on those stages and you're going to be back at the Olympics and you're going to be back at the trials doing all these things and just keep, keep shining that smile because it does give people hope that they could fight through and stay positive through COVID, which we're all experiencing. Yes. But you could fight through those, those real battles of life, but also maybe those areas, whatever that medal looks like for everybody watching, right? Whenever, because everybody's medal is different. Some of you, maybe you weren't even an athlete, but your medal in the business world. Yes. Just, just, just remember. And, you know, I often don't say this in these episodes, uh, sometimes in the captions and things, but I want people to share this episode. Please do me a favor and share this episode because Shante's story needs to be heard because it provides hope and inspiration. I, I, I just have an amazing feeling that your work every single day is just going to provide the best chapters, the best chapters of your life. They're, they're yet to come. I just, I, I appreciate you. Thank you. And I believe that, and that's what my hope is for, you know, your listeners that they know whatever, like you said, whatever their medal is, that to fight for it, to fight for it, whatever it takes, even if it's a little step during chemotherapy, my exercise was walking with a walker sometimes. But you're, you're incredible. Thank you so much for joining us on The Burn, Chate. Thank you for having me. You are awesome. And I cannot <laughs> wait for us to see each other in person again. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. This episode of The Burn Podcast is powered by BenNewmanCoaching.com, your number one source for increasing consistency in your life and building the mental toughness habits required to live the life of your dreams. From self-paced courses to live coaching with Ben and everything in between, head over to BenNewmanCoaching.com and join the thousands of members working to unlock their peak performance every day.